This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name's Ellie Nunn, and joining me is the Billy Stritch to my Countess Luanne, it's James Evans. Oh, Billy. Good old Billy. Oh, I forgot about Billy. Who is he? (laughs) (laughs) Is he the guy on the piano who works with Liza Minnelli? (laughs) Yeah. He's an icon. Billy, Billy, Billy. Everybody knows Billy. Okay, I'm oh, so sorry. Well, you said stretch and I immediately I should have Elaine. just said the cabaret to my countess. We're off to a good start. Sorry, I, I went too niche. Uh, it's my my bad. We're a niche show, Ellie. My feels a cabaret, <laughs> old friend. I'm genuinely considering buying a pop art print that I've seen on Etsy of Bethany saying life is not a cabaret. Life is not a cabaret. Yeah, you've really gone down the the Housewives Etsy hole, haven't you? As we speak. So tell us what you're wearing. I am wearing my new pride of joy, which is a grey sweater vest. Oh no, sweater vest, I feel in America, may mean something different. That's like the things Chandler Bing wears. What do I mean? Like a jersey? Just a standard run-of-the-mill sweater. Yeah, that's a sweat. A sweater. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wearing a jersey if you will, with a, a large cartoon of Dorinda Medley on it, mid-shout, with the words underneath, I made it nice. Always close to your bosom is our Dorinda. Next to my heart. Yeah. It's warming my cockles. <laughs> I'm sure she is. Yeah. God, I miss her. I'm sad already for a dorinda season. I'm sad. I know we're not here to talk about Dorinda today, but I have to say, having gone back and watched seasons 9 and 10 and... 11 as well basically before Dorinda went fully dark I know she had her dark moments but she always got won me back was there just a weird noise your end it's probably my fridge my fridge <laughs> chiming in on Dorinda your fridge <laughs> chiming in on Miss Medley <laughs> it's just like a low yeah. bass hum so it could be Luanne as well <laughs> who knows I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> Right, the woman we're here to talk about. So we left on a bit of a cliffhanger last week. We left Luanne on a bit of an uneven note, I would say, because she just came out of a stellar friend of season, season six, and then she had a pretty good run in season seven, and then she really fell at the last hurdle when she called carol a pedophile um as one does mm. so naturally easy mistake yeah she, she's not in a good way so now we're going into season eight which we kind of touched on at the end of the last episode but it's such a great season all round. i would say definitely right up at the top there for me and it's such a luan centric season so i think we could stand to just kind of like pick apart that season a little bit more because this is where luan enters her new phase in life this is where she becomes Mrs. D'Agostino to be. So this is the big Tom season. So we've got a lot of ground to cover here. So I find it really interesting that because I watched the late seasons first and then I went back and watched the first few seasons, I couldn't believe it when in, I think, the first season, the crew follows Ramona with some girlfriends having a drink and there's Tom D'Agostino. 
hitting on them and being quite sleazy and he was there right from the start hello old friend i love the secondary characters that we get across all of the housewives franchises and the men in particular on new york it is insane what a small world it is and these these middle-aged bankers in the upper east side must be getting action left right and center because it seems like there's always like five women to one tom you know at any given time Mm. like between him and harry dubin they're covering a lot of ground right you know they're they're busy so yeah he really gets around and can you talk us through um because you saw it more recently than i did what was their interaction like was it kind of awkward was ramona interested well ramona obviously is still with mario at that point but she's just Mm. showing the camera crew that she likes to go out dancing but she's got her flirt on with him not it's not coquettish ramona flirting it's quite like outgoing flirting and he's practically pulling all their pigtails. He's coming over and doing, just like Harry Dubin, a proper kind of dirty Harry, sort of Just Williams style, like poking the girls and being a bit mean to them and being like, oh, you know, you seem like the fun one. You seem like the boring one. I think he calls Ramona boring or something and she gets really offended. Oh, Oh yeah, but he's definitely he's definitely trying to be in the scene. He's not camera shy at all. In this scene, is there that friend of Ramona's who really reminds me of the woman that Samantha in Sex and the City has the the lesbian affair with? Is she in it? Yes, I know exactly who you mean. Yes. What happened to her? She's the one that he says is interesting. Oh. She, and at first I thought I thought she was Elise, but she's not Elise. No, you know, I had the same moment. I had to go back and go through my records. But yeah, I, I she really disappeared off of the face of the earth. I wonder if she and Ramona had beef because she's never been in the background of her 50 closest girlfriends parties in recent years so I wonder why the show didn't make a bigger deal of that in a way I found it really interesting once they all started the rumors started going round that Luann's new person was Tom I'm amazed the show didn't latch on to that quicker Mm. Yeah, and make a bigger deal of the fact that we've seen this person these shows do work in a very odd way because the shows in general love a flashback but my god every other episode of New Jersey they will flashback to Teresa flipping that fucking table any old <laughs> reason to show it or Luann falling in the bushes but yeah sometimes crucial information like that that is really important for context crucial. they really just glide over crucial information because I feel like it's a very revealing clip of him mm. and I feel like it ties in quite a lot with the narrative that Bethany keeps floating that he he loves a housewife and I think that's very much in the context of the show and the connection to kind of fame and being on TV and this idea of him being a little bit fame hungry mm-hmm. I think that's shown in that clip which is why it's quite weird that the show doesn't use it more right to demonstrate Tom's character. Because isn't he a bit of a wallflower in his second iteration on the show? He doesn't seem to have much to say for himself. He seems a bit boring, but that is that season one cameo. is He's he's quite outgoing for Tom. Yeah. Boring or just sort of a bit socially awkward? I, I feel like we're, we're running before we're walking. Yeah, I yeah. Think, yes. So it's important to say, so the way that they meet, so Luan has moved into the townhouse with Sonia. Oh my God. Oh, to be a fly in the wall for that couple of months. The two of them... It's like a Grey Gardens remake, isn't it? Literally having their morning coffee over their various walk of shames and meeting in the middle, kind of like changing dirty underwear in the bathroom. I know. <laughs> Basically and like high-fiving, comparing notes about who it's they It's like a freaking whorehouse. It really is. But like in the best way. Oh, for sure. I don't know whether I'd want 
want to live in the townhouse or not because I feel like I have been in that situation where I've stayed in people's houses before and they're people who are a bit chaotic and it's just there's like a base level of dustiness to it you're, talk, you're talking about your summer with me <laughs> you read my mind <laughs> the number of times we meet in the bathroom in the morning as we <laughs> removed our soiled underwear and drinking them in the laundry water with brown ice in it oh yeah 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 happy days really was it we were reading about ourselves all the gossip in page six exactly <laughs> Oh, I miss those days. Around the island yeah, yeah, in yeah. our slippers. Right, yeah. Um, no, it's it seems like a very stressful place to be. And Luanne actually, for once, doesn't really seem to have a comment to make about it. She does seem like a very courteous house guest, short of just bringing strangers into the house. I was going to say, she seems easy, but then it doesn't seem like she's there very much. Right, I don't feel true. like she's needing to be pampered because the truth is she seems to be out every night. And good for her. She's yeah. having a great time. She's she's having the year I thought I'd have last year before the pandemic hit. <laughs> to be honest, I intended to base my summer very much around Luan's schedule. Your year will come. You will have your myself. Luan moment, I promise. 2022 is going to be my the year of Luan. Yeah, yeah, crossing fingers. But suddenly there's this really abrupt shift that happens. And I, I think the first time that we see... Oh, I'm pinching the bridge of my nose and everything. That was a hard thing. <laughs> I think... The first time we really see this is around that infamous island in Sonia's kitchen where Luan suddenly in this very schoolgirl, husky, giggly confession tells Sonia that she's met a guy and I think I'm going to marry him. Oh, I think she's, oh, I think he's going to marry me. Right. And I'm in love. And it's been like a week. Is Sonia, does she know at this point that it's Tom? No, because I think there's quite an infamous cut where Luanne says it's Tom and it cuts to Sonia going, uh, my Tom? And that's our lovely... I'm surprised they didn't stick a massive kind of symbol crash underneath we, to show us exactly. how important... That's why I can't remember. We, we didn't have that crucial sound effect. I've come to rely on it over the years. <laughs> because this seems to be a running theme with Sonia as well, because we touched on it before a couple of seasons earlier where Sonia was having her dalliance with Harry Dubin as she's wont to do on mm. and off over the years and then they're at a party and then Luanne according to their, everyone's testimony seems to just sort of steal Harry from under Sonia's nose and just hops in a cab with him mm. and says something like oh he's mine now so there does seem to be this weird rivalry that we've already had established between Luanne mm. and Sonia when it comes to the attentions of men well also like you say there does seem to be a strange thing going on that there appears to be about five women to one eligible bachelor mm-hmm. on the New York dating scene. But this becomes an interesting recurrent theme with Sonia that Dorinda expands upon really articulately a couple of seasons later uh, when they're in Miami and Sonia gets blind drunk mm-hmm. And on their first night, it's the one where she she says, I'm going to knock you out and then falls under the table and they have to call an ambulance to check her for concussion. But Dorinda talks about it in in one of her sort of vox pops where she's saying, I feel for Sonia because the truth is she has all these guys and all the other women sort of keep swooping in and and getting with them or dating them and more importantly they then undermine whatever Sonia had with them right and actually there is something wrong about that because it makes Sonia appear stupid it it makes Sonia's love life 
it both undermines it and, and gives a flippancy. It makes Sonia appear silly, right. which, which in a way she is. But there's something quite sad, I think, in those moments. And this obviously is a is a huge part of this season with Luan dating Tom is we watch this strange arc as Sonia goes from from saying that Tom was sort of someone she slept with a few times and friends with benefits and then it becomes more and more that he was her lover and sort of by the end he was one of the great loves of her life and and it becomes ridiculous but there is something odd about Luanne's disregard for that and her unwillingness to even deal with it right whenever Sonia or any of the women try to talk to Luanne and we should add at this point for anyone that doesn't know that Ramona has also been on a few dates with this guy recently like weeks Mm -hmm. before Luanne is seeing him and Luanne has this very wall up approach of of a refusal to talk about it in any way or give it any credit or to give any weight to it whatsoever. Yes, it's one of those things. It becomes a three-way love triangle that is slightly frustrating because like you said, Sonia becomes a bit wishy-washy about what her wants and needs are at the very beginning and then arrives a little bit too late and then goes to the other extreme. Ramona also, she's not very clear herself about how serious she was with Tom and she kind of goes between we had two dates to seven dates and he wrote a heart on my hand or our initials or something. Mm. So that's evidence that, you know, we were really serious, you know, going steady or something. And then Luanne just sort of, yeah, very, very doggedly insisting that whatever happened BL before Lou happened before Lou and she doesn't give a shit and kind of carrying over that energy that she had in Turks She's and Caicos of like, well, I don't give a shit. Right. I just wonder what the timing was for Luanne. Why this guy in particular? Because she kind of seems to jump. Right. You know, it's 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 all because clearly Luanne's a very attractive woman. She's been single for very many years. And I just don't quite understand what it was about Tom in particular that prompted this. And I, I, I actually appreciate, I know the, the, the women kind of make a big deal about it, that she's saying, you know, he wants to marry me and she's really giddy about it. But she kind of explains that that was how she operated with the Count as well. They kind of were dating for a few weeks and mm. they got married and, it, you know, for very many years it served her very well and she had two beautiful children and a great life and this, that and the other and they had a good run. So I can see why she would repeat the same thing again, but just why with Tom in particular, I don't understand. It's interesting because... The Ramona Sonia storylines and their relationships with Tom, of course, make very good TV. And I understand why the women uh, kind of keep harping back to it. But I also do understand on a human level that the reason they keep bringing it up is because it is very weird that Luanne and Tom have the intensity that they have and jump to getting engaged like a month into dating. And with no, with such, as you say, such urgency that doesn't seem necessary. To me, it is really odd to be so determined to marry someone who, from like the very first month you know, has just been dating friends of yours, who one week into your engagement you find out a huge bombshell about. It's pointed out in the show. It's like, it's, it is very odd that Luanne doesn't go, oh, that's lucky that I found that out now and just go. She seems so... Right. She seems determined to marry him as though she were, you know, a 40-year-old a woman desperate to have a child and therefore determined that this person was the one. That's a, that sounds like a terrible thing to say. But you know what I mean? That she, she seems desperate to marry him as if right. she's going to gain something. But all she gains from being with Tom is having a lifestyle together that they're both obsessed with. Right. And they... they, they... 
hark back to that, don't they? I don't know if it's maybe the season nine reunion or maybe it's season eight where they say, what is it about Tom that you like? And she just kind of lists off like how they go skiing well, together. Well, we both play tennis. It does just seem to be a projection of a, of a lifestyle that she wants to um, to retain. But it's, it's and it's very, I, I know we've said this a few times about her this season, but she she really is giddy. It's like a whole new kind of Luan. And I think... She is insufferably giddy. It's really... I think it would be bizarre on any of them, but I think the fact that she cuts such an imposing figure Mm. as well... And she's, she, you know, when she's getting her hair extensions put in with Ramona yes. at her flat and she's like slapping the table and bouncing up and down and giggling. And it's it's a very odd, it's almost like she's on something. I have to say it's, it's saccharine. And I yeah. personally, I loathe that season for this reason that I just find Luanne so annoying in her giddiness because I think I said this in the last episode. I think it's annoying in life when you have a friend who's like that when they're dating someone new because there's a slight smugness to it. Mm-hmm. And Luanne just reeks of that smugness. And and especially in the face of her refusal to acknowledge her friend's feelings or engage in a conversation, it just all adds to that. And I think what I find weird about it is that when it comes to other situations with the show and between the women, and maybe this is the point I was trying to make before, I get that, of course, they have big fights and things. It's a TV show. That's the point of it. Whereas with this, I find it so odd that it's like a real life thing. Like getting married is like an actual life thing. Right. And yet it feels like her approach to it is very fitting for the show. It's like ridiculous and over the top and like her dogged pursuit of going through with this big white wedding even though not only is everyone pointing out to you that it's like clearly like loaded with problems but it's on television shown to be full of problems right you literally discovered the betrayal of your new fiance on television in front of everyone and she's still sort of determined to go through that's like a new level of a lack of self-awareness from Luan. it's taking that moment of bethany and jill trying to make up in ramona's apartment and then Luan storming in and saying i needed to get her out of there where Luan doesn't seem to really be very good at uh improvising with what material is kind of circulating around her and it's mm. like she i think she thinks that she's making good tv by sweeping jill out of there it kind of seems like the same thing here where she thinks I think it would be good for the show to have a beautiful white wedding and you know the the audience would love it and this is this is great and my fans over the years and you know on Bravo they love a wedding and 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 it's not good TV but in classic Luanne style you know the offshoot of that is something truly iconic so iconic so so can we talk a bit about if I may can we jump to the berserk shears? where a lot of the frustrations that we were talking about, that we as an audience share, really boils over and is just delivered in one huge pile of poo by none other than Bethany Frankel herself. Absolutely. Bethany Frankel doing what Bethany Frankel does best. It's Bethany's, I I have to say, I do like Bethany, but she's particularly unbalanced this season, especially Mm. when it comes to her business. You know, first we had John Modessian with the skinny cow business, and then we had Sonia with Tipsy Girl, and then we have Luann in the Berkshires and we glossed over this before, making a kind of innocuous comment about 
being there when Bethany, you know, ordered the skinny girl margarita for the first time. And after she makes that fatal error, it's just four hours of havoc. It's like a three episode arc of just Bethany running around the house, screaming at Luann. You look up ripping someone a new one in the dictionary and it is just a picture of Bethany stood over that table screaming, you fuck everyone. My goodness. I do think that Luann is a bit blindsided by the whole thing, as am I, because this should all be Carol's fight to have. But Carol doesn't seem that bothered. You know, Carol kind of walks in through the door a bit late, heard them arguing, sort of rolled her eyes and then went upstairs to go Christmas shopping on her laptop or something. To be honest, I feel like Bethany could have had that explosion. And if Luann had reacted appropriately, if Luann had gone, I don't understand why you're saying this to me, then Bethany would have looked the fool because as an audience, we would be like, I don't think that Luann deserved this. But in typical Luann fashion, her reaction, I think, makes it seem that she fits the punishment. Right. (laughs) Because her reaction is insufferable, which weirdly puts me on Bethany's side. And because her horrendous decision to latch on to Bethany's haircut and then not shut up about it as her only comeback in the next four hours, makes me just want Bethany to continue to lay into her. I think that's why it's like a four-hour argument, isn't it? Because Luan just harps on on this. I don't know, you might think it's horrendous. I think it's absolutely amazing. Luan, even though she's hampered when it comes to her eloquence, she can wind Bethany up like nobody's business. And the, with the overuse of the line of like, oh, your haircut's looking a lot like mine. It, it's, it's even gets to a point where Luan walks in on Bethany bitching to Jules, specifically about who, how Luan just keeps saying that thing about the haircut. And first of all, if the shoe was on the other foot and Bethany walked in on Luan bitching about her, Bethany would bite Luann's head off but Luann kind of like walks past and then rather than like absorbing the constructive feedback she uses it as another excuse to like go into the kitchen and start to talk to Ramona and be like oh well her hair is looking a lot like mine oh have you noticed her hair but she said it as if it's completely fresh and she's never said it before and it's honest it's like she's Jerry Seinfeld in the 80s at the comedy store just like working on a tight five about Bethany's hair am I right and it's (laughs) and then Bethany hears this and she jumps up out of her seat with honestly the kind of athleticism that made me sit bolt upright and then she calls Luann into the other room and she's like now let's get over this hair thing I want to be like you is that it is that what you're saying ha huh? ha huh? I want to be like what a huge slut who fucks all these different guys is that what you're saying ha huh? ha huh? and Lu- Bethany's already off to the races and Luann is laughing she's classically throwing her head back and then she's sipping her wine and she does that thing where she scrunches up her nose and she gets right into Bethany's face she does that weird thing doesn't she and she's like she does like a weird sort of psych out really yeah she's like really using her body to intimidate Bethany and she's like look at her face look at her face are you getting laid right now or what what's the problem and then Bethany goes, no, you're making up for everybody. And then Luann goes, oh, am I the Kim Cattrall of the family or what? Which, ugh, a couple of things here. I don't know what family she's referring to, <laughs> but neither this group nor Sex in the City are a family in any real sense. And second of all, I don't think that Kim Cattrall, you know, consummate professional that she is, who trained at the same drama school I went to, I might add, <laughs> would appreciate Luann equating her as an actress with the character 
Samantha that she plays. Of course, none of this would be nearly as entertaining if Luann wasn't sporting one of her classic ginormous green beaded necklaces throughout this entire oh thing. God. And then later a fur shrug as well. She just completely completes yeah, the pastiche yeah. of herself. I love like the turquoise statement necklace really compliments those like little figurines yes, that um, yes. sit on the fireplace as well. Again, beautiful costuming. So then Bethany kind of calms down for probably about five seconds and then they go over why bethany's feeling this way about her because i would like to know because i'm still quite unclear and but bethany does the classic bethany thing and it's what she was doing with ramona that we were talking about a couple of episodes ago where she goes well i'm trying to tell you but you won't let me get a word in and this is off the back you know lest i remind everybody of like this five minute monologue how she yelled in Luann's face about how she's such a stupid slut, basically. Mm -hmm. And so she's saying, well, you won't let me speak. You're always interrupting people. And then Luann goes, well, I'll let you speak now. And then Bethany goes, well, I doubt it. And then Luann's like, no, I promise. I will. No, I want to hear what you you have to say. And then Bethany's like, well, you're always talking over me. And it's like, well, she's actually not. And I think Bethany struggles with many things, but getting her point across is not one of them. Bethany is, you know, the chattiest Kathy and the whole bunch. Oh, absolutely. I also have really spotted that, that that's such a... Bethany falls back on that one a lot. One thing I've really noticed re-watching those later seasons, Bethany is a massive hypocrite. Like you say about someone bitching behind yeah. her back, she would pull someone else on that in a second and be like, say it to my face, you know, I like, don't go behind my back. That's... What kind of a friend does right. that? Or whatever. And then she would do that in a second and be quite biting and funny about it and in her fight with carol in the next season a big thing is whatever carol argues kind of going no we're not going to do that or being like i'm, I'm not going to argue with you if you're if you're, if you're going to point score points or whatever and it's like well that's how arguing works like it right it's, yeah it, you can't just nullify someone else's way of arguing so it's the same with luann right. you can't just say well i'm not going to argue with anymore because you're going to interrupt and decide that mm-hmm. so that there's no way for it to move forward then. I, I honestly do think, and I don't mean this in a mean way, I think Bethany is just so used to talking incessantly that I genuinely do think that she has trouble with basic human mm. conversation sometimes, just a, a back to forth. And she immediately interprets that as the other party interrupting her. But anyway, Bethany then ends up saying that, you know what, our friendship has, it's remained pretty stagnant over the last few years. And we had a moment over the summer, but her issue is that Luan basically what we said is a massive hypocrite doesn't play by her own rules and that Luana spouses the girl code and then she'll steal guys from the other women right under their noses and then Luan goes well I don't think you're a girl's girl how's that for your cookie jar (laughs) (laughs) you know what that reminds me of yeah that's just another Luan classic quote you come here you're making a list and checking it twice to take me down Take me down. <laughs> What's another one of my favorites is her. What, what is this matchmaker? Matchmaker, make me an argument. <laughs> oh, I love that one. What a wordsmith! I'm desperately. I know. I'm desperately trying to think of like other Broadway shows that she's you know bastardizing the lyrics for. Oh, I love it. I love it. It ain't Chicago. She she keeps saying in this scene as well. Well, I don't give a flying leap. And it's like no, that's not. It's either. I don't give a flying fuck or... Or go and take a flying leap. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Luann, love it. Fool! And then this is when we get the big Bethany moment and she leaps up yet again 
And she goes, what married man have I ever slept with? What young 25-year-old has I ever fucked and then given my friends shit about? You are a hypocrite. You fuck everyone and you pretend that you don't. I don't care if you're the biggest whore in Macy's window, but you pretend that you're appropriate. You're a slut and a liar and a hypocrite and a snake. That's the truth. Woo! Well, your hair is looking a lot like mine. <laughs> <laughs> Luana is just coasting by on brute force and repetition with the, the harping on and on about your hair's looking a lot like mine. And it really gets under Bethany's skin. It feels like the oral version of Luann just pinning Bethany to the floor, grabbing her hand and just doing that thing of like, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. Sure, but I was going to say, it's also annoying because it feels in some ways like Luann is protected by a sort of bubble of a lack of self-awareness. Annoyingly, in one of our absolute favourite scenes of all time, of Luann sat outside on the stoop with Jules. Oh, yeah. In which Jules is trying to explain that she's just spoken to her dad who's in the hospital and Luann just cuts straight over her I can't believe the way that she spoke to me do you hear the way she spoke to me it's my favourite moment I honestly I love it so much it's the fact Jules tries a second time and and to directly be like you know there are harder things my dad's dying in hospital and she's just like it's unbelievable the way that she spoke to me so hurtful what they just said to me so hurtful what she just said to me and it's the way that she's got the cigarette as well and it's just it's perfection she's very Turks and Caicos energy the way she just sits down swaggers in lights a fag she's puffing away her g-strings on show she's surrounded by all this Dorinda's Christmas tat just blabbering on but this is my point though is that but it annoys me because by her even though it's like it's its own layer of a lack of self-awareness because obviously she's not having self-awareness with Jules. But it's annoying because like the Turks and Caicos energy, it would make sense if her argument with Bethany, if her rebuffal of it was to be like, well, I don't give a flying fuck. But you can't then go outside and be like, that was so hopeful what she just said to me because it's like, you just said you don't care. And that's what annoys me is that contradiction of that her entire gameplay is to be like, well, I don't care. Well, that was before me. Well, I don't, whatever. Be cool. Don't be like all uncool. Mm-hmm. But then to be so like deeply hurt yeah. by what's happened, I would have had way more respect for Luanne if she'd left that fight and sat on the stoop with Jules and had a cigarette and just been like, that was ridiculous. To be honest, it's just a draw because I think both of them have a bit of a poor showing because I think Bethany does the same thing. She's If she's jumping up and lambasting hey. Luanne for not being a girl's girl and does a lot of slut shaming in the process, it's just not James, a James, I am look. right with you, but we're not here to talk about Bethany, so... Can I just have a moment though? Because I know you fucking love Carol and I just have to get something off my chest. I think this is... Carol disappoints me in this season. This is like the beginning of the slow slide down for Carol. Because you must agree, because when Car- while Luann is out being completely self-absorbed with Jules, Bethany goes upstairs and she says, oh, I just, I just, I just called Luann a slut. And then Carol starts kind of justifying it and saying, well, I don't think that's bad. You know, like, I think being a, called a slut is, is like sexy. And it's just like... I know she's annoyed with Luann, but Carol's far too smart. She's far too socially conscious to let that slide. And, you know, while we're on the subject of hypocrisy, it's just a little rich to see Carol, quite rightly, call out Luann in the past for calling Native Americans Indians and then not hold her friend to that same sure. standard, you know? And it's just something that I've seen a bit with Lu- with Carol here, where we this is kind of the start of the slide for me, where she goes from the kind of the cool observer on the side to just this like eye-rolling mean girl. Sure, yeah. 
Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. I'll take yeah. it. I'll take it on move the chain. Right, I feel we must move yeah. out of the Berserkers. Yeah, let's go. Um, I'm happy to just jump up to, to Miami. Let's get straight to Miami and let's Woo! start with Luann dancing on her own on that yacht. Mm-mm-mm. We got the yacht. So at this point, we're celebrating Luann's engagement to Tom yes. on yes. a yacht in Miami. And she is practically Claire Danes in Stardust. yes is that is that the name of the film i don't know (laughs) she's like glowing she honestly again it's sickening she's shaking engagement rings in people's faces you know it's the most overused word for me of these two episodes but she's insufferable and she's also at this point fully shutting down she's playing whack-a-mole with the other women anytime anyone pops up to be like but sonia or like but ramona or but we heard this about Tom. Luann's just got like a hefty mallet and it's just like, don't right. talk about Tom. Yeah. Doof. Which I kind of see because there is, there's kind of a time and a place, you know. And like for all, for all I, I feel like Bethany does a lot mm. of missteps this season. I actually think she plays her part in the whole Tom situation in Miami pretty well. But just kind of like letting it yeah. sit, letting her have her moment of bliss and then kind of telling her in a quiet moment. Yeah. No, she agree. It, it's, it's hard to tell if anyone's, acting in a very genuine way because even though Luann is just completely has her her blinkers on and she's not you know she's she's set on getting married and won't be told otherwise the women kind of wrap it up as a kind of uh, out of a concern for Luann which I'm sure maybe you know that does come into play but I No I agree I, it must be annoying th- Sonia's like crying downstairs about like this lost love and Again Carol's working on Sonia gaslighting her to think Exactly like but, it's yeah. I get it it's annoying so please take us through this infamous scene another one that I'm considering getting a pop art picture of <laughs> Please don't make it be about <laughs> Oh my god Ellie so here we go so immediately for me at the top of this scene, we're in Bethany's hotel room and I'm drawn back to that whole fiasco on the season seven group trip we were talking about a few weeks ago where Bethany was preparing lunch, but Ramona wanted to go to Boogaloo's. Yes. Apologies, by the way, because when we were speaking about that, I launched into how funny it was when Ramona wanted to go to Sandbar. I was incorrect. That is in fact this trip and it's this Dorinda is. who wants to go right. to Sandbar. Yes. And oh, is Ramona it? actually wants to go to Bagatelle. Oh, Bagatelle, so of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I stand corrected. Yeah. Continue. So I, I think of that because on both occasions, Bethany's wearing a bikini indoors. And I don't know and why. And only a bikini. Just a bikini. And it that sort of thing really stresses me out. Just wearing swimwear in a non swim in a very dry environment just it's very unsettling to me for me personally when i was re-watching this episode i wrote to james to say i find it really disconcerting that anyone could sit and have this conversation with anyone sat cross-legged in a bikini on camera i know yeah. sat yeah on a bed in a bikini whilst you're telling someone a huge bombshell another reason i think bethany is a psychopath exactly not a sarong in sight and that speaks to like a greater issue with bethany i have to say so i'm already stressed out i'm already reaching for one of those skinny girl bottles that's strategically placed on the side exactly (laughs) thanks bethany anyway so luann comes in and i have to say she looks dreadful she looks she's so puffy and i think it's interesting how considering how loved up and giddy she is this whole season it's consistently this season the worst luann has ever looked she spends the whole i don't know if you've noticed i mean but is that not quite a common thing that people when they're loved up 
I mean, I'm certainly not saying this as like a a judgmental thing, but I know that that's in the same way that people are talking about the lockdown, 15 pounds or whatever. That's like a thing that you like new relationship. It's a happy tax. Yes, exactly. And like you're going out to eat a lot, but also you're probably having a lot of late nights, probably drinking a lot together. So she's kind of not looking her best. I don't know. She's not looking her best. I think I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there in that it could just be they're you know, sitting in and eating lots of food and drinking wine together but considering what happens to Luan later on part of me wonders whether a lot of their relationship is built on sort of partying Mm. in inverted commas and leading a bit of a kind of uh, uh, an unhealthy lifestyle but even I think because she had that um, countess clothing line at the same time didn't she so she was wearing all these pieces that just weren't very fashionable either you know when she goes to the christmas party and she wears that like weird lacy red and white jumpsuit and oh yeah like in uh, this in this scene she looks like she's in a tenor lady advert (laughs) yes yeah and there's that scene in when sonia launches the tipsy girl prosecco and luan it's the worst i've ever seen her she's wearing like a weird maxi dress with i think it's like a black mini cardigan over the top and she's curled her hair into really tight ringlets and she looks really bloated it's i don't i don't want to harp on about it and luann you know on a bad day still looks 10 times better than me on a good day but it's 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 really something striking that i've noticed about it but anyway yes no she has her moments where she looks like an amateur opera singer (laughs) call me helga <laughs> yeah, sorry. I just had to get that off my chest. I'm glad that you were receptive to that Good. and you agreed. I'm with glad me. you've cleared it because um, it was very distracting for me. And Luan is she comes in to have a heart to heart with Bethany because if I remember correctly, Bethany tries to lay the groundwork for this information that she's going to reveal to Luan about Tom, where she says to Luan, "Do you mind me asking because you know you and the Count had an open relationship? Is that?" a kind of a similar situation with Tom here. Is that right, more or less? I th- I don't think she asks quite as delicately. I oh. think <laughs> when they first arrive straight off of Luann's engagement party, Luann's sort of talking her through how great it is. And I think Bethany just straight up is like, are you monogamous? Oh. <laughs> and Luann's like, what are you talking about? Of course, I'm getting married. And Which doesn't answer the question, does So yeah, yeah she's... Right. And then Luanne kind of attaches onto the over the weekend. Luanne latches onto that as thinking that's part of her storyline of going, "Oh, I'm upset that Bethany asked me that because it felt like she was what does she say? Not like ashamed, but as she if she said she like muddy, like was, tarnished it or made it cheapened it. Was I think ta- said, yeah. was was cheapened exactly right. as if she was saying that that would carry through into this relationship. So that's what she's come to There's a few things I think to unpick there. First of all, there's a slipperiness to how Luann characterises her marriage to the Count. Because at various points on the show, we've seen Luann go from presenting it as a a picture-perfect union, and then that slides into kind of like a European, in inverted commas, marriage, to a one-sided open marriage to the Count just plain cheating on her with an African princess or something. And that progression isn't exactly linear. And she's very much gone back and forth depending on the company and the context at any given time. So earlier on, on this very trip, Carol says to Luann that she assumed that they had an open marriage and she Mm. thought that was common knowledge. And then Luann responds by saying, you know, it was open in the sense that it was for the count, but she had to, you know, she was faithful and she was really unhappy, which I thought answered the question and i was like okay great good enough so then it's odd to see she's bethany's essentially saying the same thing but all of a sudden it is tarnishing something that was very beautiful between her and the count i I think the reason why 
there's a difference is that Bethany is linking it to her engagement with Tom, as we said. And that's why Luann gets so cagey. And when she says that she feels like Bethany was cheapening her marriage, I think she what she actually means is she's cheapening the relationship with Tom. You know, using, talking about mm. the Count's marriage as a vessel yes, for I her agree. current relationship. So... I agree. I, I can kind of see why she's contradicting herself. But uh, Bethany's kind of like apologizing and she's she's agreeing. She's being very acquiescent and saying that she shouldn't have implied as such pretty much mm. just to shut Luann up so that she can deliver this news. And Bethany is very distracted because she has the burden of this photograph of Tom kissing another woman at the Regency. And it's weighing down on her and she's trying to gear herself up to deliver the news and she's pale and she's shaking and she's obviously very upset. And it was obvious to everyone but Luann, it would seem. It's just like a great bit of dramatic irony where we, the audience, know mm. what's about to happen, but Luann is characteristically completely clueless. So Luann, yeah, she's just comes in and again, it's like she's babbling on about the same point and interrupting Bethany and saying, well, I just, you know, it's cheapened the marriage, you know, and, you know, Alex and I, we had a great marriage and, and Bethany's trying to say something more important. And it feels like a repeat of the scene on the stoop with Jules where Luann is, she's really mm. performing and it's almost like she's looked at the call sheet that day for filming and she's like, oh, okay, I have a scene with Bethany in her room now. So that's going to be an argument I have totally. with her about my marriage with the Count. Or not just an argument, but like an emotional conversation. Right. So she's she's really plugging the earnestness of, and she's almost tearing up. And you're a bit like, no, 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 no. Like we don't need you to tear up here. Like yeah, yeah. You're so yeah, right. The Bethany's a bit like ah, that, that, that. Like this isn't this isn't the performance we need right now. Yeah, yeah. And then Bethany kind of breaks the seal and she says, okay, so something was dropped in my lap which basically means a producer gave it to me and I have to show it to you now, I feel, yeah. basically. <laughs> sure. And that's where we have the beautiful moment. It's oh, music to my ears where Luanne, she goes, please don't let it be about Tom. And Bethany goes, it's about Tom. And then Luanne goes, don't do this to me. <laughs> I honestly, <laughs> I honestly feel I could do this scene as like a dramatic performance with another person and it would look like it was something from a David Hare play. Absolutely. It's paced so beautifully. It's Rhythmically, it just hits all the... Please don't let it be about Tom. It's about Tom. Don't do this to me. Oh, Don't do oof. this to me. And even even their vocal differences. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like an octaves <laughs> difference between the two. Please don't let it be about Tom. It's about Tom. Don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, so this is too much for Luanne. She storms out and she manages to lock herself out of her hotel room. And she's like... We have a bit of a classic stop filming me moment, don't we? Yeah, she's like, I'm serious, stop filming me. Someone let me into my room. And then it cuts back to Bethany and she's shaking on the bed and we just hear Luanne off camera go, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and lights down. And exactly. And so act two, Bethany, she's hunched over in bed. She's still half naked. She's having, again, I have to say, like, I think sometimes on this podcast, I've sounded so pro-Bethany that I, I also have to retract in some ways some of my somewhat blind kind of adoration for Bethany's sort of genuine qualities on the show. Because something like this, it's like I was watching her like eighth anaphylactic shock the other day. Yeah. And I was suddenly thinking, Bethany is, she is good at the show, but she's a lot. She's exhausting to be a friend with. Exactly. And this is one of those moments where watching her have a kind of weird shaky meltdown on the bed in her bikini 
is actually quite irritating and self-indulgent. Oh, completely. And then we, when we have Sonia and Ramona and Carol, they come in to see Bethany. And Bethany, you just see Bethany's head poking up out of this mound of bedding. Her eyes are glazed over. There's like there's literal funeral music playing. It looks like they've come to pay <laughs> Bethany's, like to her deathbed to pay the last respects before she shuffles off this mortal coil. And it's just so self-indulgent. And I just say, oh God, I, I, it totally lays the groundwork. I can see why Carol would just get to a point where she's like, do you know what? I've actually had enough. It's so much drama all the time. I 100%. And then, and it's like she has these minions come in and then suddenly Luan comes back and Bethany's like, get out, get out. And then they all just have to scurry off again. Absolutely, It's just it's so annoying. So then anyway, Bethany ends up showing Luan this photo because she's got all her information in line. And Luan is like, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I just wrote throw up noise in my notes. Um, it's just such a Luan way of throwing up. She's like, Whoa. it's it's <laughs> extraordinary. That moment to me is very reminiscent of the Jinx. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. There's an extraordinary moment, Fantastic. in the Jinx without going into it, but that's that's quite reminiscent of this, where like a bodily function is clearly brought up by a piece of information, mm-hmm. and I feel like a similar thing happens to Luan. It's like she hears this, and her whole body is just like. <laughs> Again, it's a great acting cue, I would say. I like a bit of um a bit of retching. <laughs> Physical absolutely. Just like a little retch. Um it's so succinct as well, that sound. I really want it to be like my new ringtone, just Luan <laughs> retching. <laughs> so Dorinda then finds out that Bethany was sitting on this information and she thinks that it was a bad idea. She kind of for some reason thinks that there was something nefarious to Bethany sitting on it and delivering the message to Luan at the very end of the trip. To be fair, I think in this moment, I think quite a lot of the women are suddenly thrown into a bit of a moral dilemma because we're dealing with a real life thing. Right. Uh, to be honest, this this situation doesn't feel a million miles off to me. Something like Taylor's situation in Beverly Hills or with Kim or the Vicky Gumbelson getting the phone call of her mum, where you can see the women are thrown by the seriousness of something. So this is a slightly different, the whole season, there's potentially been allegations or there's been a sense of like, oh, well, he used to date Ramona or he used to date Sonia. This is different. This is someone has been caught cheating in a photo on Wednesday and you got engaged a week ago. Mm -hmm. It's sort of irrefutable. Right. So I think Dorinda's thrown in that moment because... I think she's not sure how to process that they're now dealing with a real life thing and how's best to deal with that. And did Bethany do the right thing there or should this have really all happened off camera? Or mm-hmm. It works both ways as well, doesn't it? Because then Luann texts Tom and she does one of those voice message it- things where she goes, how could you do oh. this to me? Question mark. <laughs> Question mark. And then she eventually gets- I want gets- that as my new <laughs> yeah. So good. I'm. They they do that occasionally where it really makes me laugh. But Luan is the worst offender for it of using. I would never use the dictation device on my phone just out at lunch with friends. So there's a bit earlier right. in the season where Ramona and Sonia and Dorinda and Luan are having lunch. I think it's when they're deciding to go to Miami, and Luan's like. Great, I'll ask Tom. I'll ask if that works for Tom. Tom, would it work for you if we came to Miami? And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> right, yeah. 
takes like an awful person. Short. Yeah, right. And this is such a funny example where it's like, why on earth would you dictate these texts in front of everyone rather I know. than just write them? I just love the, the the high drama of how could you the soapiness of how could you do this to me distilled into Hey Siri. That whole moment's really weird as well, isn't it? Because even as a viewer, I was quite on the edge of my seat of it's a very interesting thing when you it's a very powerful thing when you have information like that and for a second i think as a viewer watching there's a sense of don't don't message him and say how could you don't give him don't tell him you have the information and give him a chance to come up with an excuse like there's a right way to do it and it feels like the kind of thing bethany's gonna get right and someone like luan's gonna get absolutely wrong and we have bethany coaching luan basically through the call whilst pouring her the largest skinny girl drink you have ever seen oh my God. on the show. And then, and then this is where the women, so similarly to Dorinda kind of assuming the worst in Bethany in this moment, we then get Bethany and Carol and the other women assuming incorrectly something bad about Luann, where they hear her on the phone to Tom going, how could you do this to me at the Regency in front of everybody? And I just can't help but think that they've got the wrong end of the stick about that. And I think that they're assuming the worst in Luann and and think that Luann just cares about keeping up appearances when actually it's a lot more no, straightforward I know than that. What she's you just mean, embarrassed. But I disagree. I agree with them. I find it really weird. The things she's upset about feel quite... Uh, to me, it does feel quite tied into the... It's the same Luann that loves Tom because he loves tennis. It does feel odd to me that her annoyance is how could you do this in front of everyone somewhere we know rather than how could you do this period i think that does feel quite weird to me i think she meant that as a caveat in in the sense of how could you cheat on me that goes without saying but on top of that Mm. you were so disrespectful and so arrogant to think that you could get away with it in a public place that we frequent the fact that it's the regency in a sense is by the way the regency makes it sound like a big lofty thing and maybe sure maybe there is a bit of like worrying about keeping up yeah. for me it just felt like back in the day in cambridge if my boyfriend at the time kissed another guy at the adc bar and i would say what you you kissed the guy but you didn't even have the sense to like do it in private and try and get it like you just did not care you did it in the adc in front of everyone that's not I me suppose, caring about- um, well i suppose i heard it as the equivalent of you being like how could you kiss that person in front of everyone rather than it being, how could you kiss that person? And you did it in front of everyone. But I I do totally take your point, but I definitely heard it as like a through line of like, how could you do this at the Regency in front of everybody? Right, yeah. No, I yeah, I I think there is a bit of both going on for sure. Yeah, maybe I'm just extent giving her the benefit of the doubt. So it made it feel, it made it feel a little bit like she was saying, you've made me look a fool because it made it sound a little bit like she knows that this happens occasionally and that this was like, how could you get caught and make me look silly? Yes, I, 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 yeah, I know what you mean. I see that. Being engaged to you. To me, it feels more weird that she didn't say, how could you do this a week after we got mm-hmm. engaged? Also, considering she later, when she's saying about how like she was with him that night and then they had an argument and he must have literally got out of bed and gone out. I would be much more like, where did you even go that night? Yeah, did you that, get out of bed? It's very unclear. Yeah, I, there's, it, yeah. It feels, which is why if that had happened and it was the ADC in Cambridge, the fact it was the ADC at Cambridge would feel quite low on the list, surely. Of all those Mm -hmm. crazy things. No, yeah, okay, you've convinced me. 
But I do, but I do get your point. I do think, I do think it's an odd time to like kick her when she's down. Yeah, it's I, I, like, like we we wouldn't know how we would react in this situation and or what's going to come out of your mouth first, and it may be revealing. But just to then have them all like huddled in the corner, going, "Do you hear what she's saying right now?" I mean, that that's all she cares about, you know. It just seems a bit. Oh, come on, just cut her a bit of slack. Let her. Although I do think, I do think generally they're all quite supportive through this time, and I think I'm quite shocked by what Luan does next what Luan did next tell us so she goes back to New York and stays in a hotel but it's not even clear it's quite murky whether she even stayed in that hotel more than one night she doesn't exactly take a lot of time to think and a point that is made by the others that I have to agree with is you kind of think if you got engaged and the person snuck out of your apartment one night to go out and get with someone. So it's not even like they were already out on a night out and they drank too much and they ended up flirting with someone else. This is someone who went out with that purpose. Mm -hmm. The other women do make the point that you would think that was quite a clear out. Even if you're going to consider staying with them, you might be like, well, we're not going to be engaged anymore for now. Right. We have to start all over again. And I guess the point a lot of the women are making is you've not even been with him that long. So why stay? You don't have kids together. You don't have a property to get. You don't have a reason to stay. So it's odd that you would stay. The other thing Luanne does that really bugs me is when she's getting ready for the Mexico party Mm -hmm. and she's explaining to the cameras how Tom's very sorry and she's forgiven him because they're grown-ups and they're not going to let one silly little kiss get in the way of, you know, their whole marriage. Again, something I would understand someone saying if they'd been married for 15 years and someone had kissed someone else, you might say, I'm not going to let one kiss destroy a marriage. You don't have a marriage. You have two months of dating. Yeah. The thing she says that really bugs me is something about how Tom ended up talking to an ex and she says something like, and he fell in her clutches. Yeah. She absolutely blames the woman in a situation that should not be put at her feet. And I think it's a really bad look. Yeah, she, she's very much a misogynist from all angles because she... I mean, 100%. She puts it all on that woman and then puts it all on Bethany as well and assumes the worst. And that's on horrendous. Right. Well, not the thing that really bugs me with what she goes after in Bethany is it's a little bit like we were talking last week about her annoyance at Carolyn Heather bursting into her room, becoming a question of moral integrity and privacy. Is Luann then tries to twist this whole storyline? It's one thing if you just went and said look I don't think I actually wanted to know but she tries to twist the storyline into going I'm just curious why Bethany was playing detective with my life and why she knew all the little details and Bethany makes the very good point that if you're gonna go to a friend and accuse right. their fiance of cheating you better know every single detail right before you give that information right. and I think it's really crummy that Luanne tries to spin that as as something both creepy and inappropriate of Bethany right as if she's trying to catch Tom out. It's very on brand for Luan. They spend the whole of that Mexico party talking about the Luan's situation behind her back, apart from one time where they are just giving general Talking about a piñata. No, it's better than that. They're talking about a piñata filled with jewellery. And they're all quite excited about it and smiling. 
and Luan. It's honestly one of my favourite Luan moments in existence. Oh, that's great. Storms over with this red flower in her hair. She's kind of been sat sulking on her own for the whole party and like swoops past the group and is like, if you guys don't stop talking about me, then I'm leaving. <laughs> and all of them are completely blindsided because it's like the right. one time, like you say, that they're really not talking about her. Yeah, yeah. And the it's really sad. The whole thing is she leaves early. She's, to be honest, she's just completely blinkered by that point. And yep. the truth is she's going to go ahead with this wedding, which she does. And to be honest, I find it very unsatisfying in the show when... I, this is a horrible thing to say, but when it doesn't work out, it's really very brushed over, considering we've had two seasons of Luan being completely insufferable and in denial and everybody saying that this was a mistake. It is quite bizarre how quickly when it doesn't work out, we're expected to just move on and nobody talk about it. Well, nobody would talk about it unless they say, I'm so sorry what about what happened with you and Tom. Oh, Apart and from out. Carol. And then that I know. Luan uses that as a reason to be annoyed with Carol. And Carol makes a very good point of, no, hang on. You, you're the one who called us jealous bitches for the past two years because we weren't 100%. 100%. I think it's a really good point that Carol makes that she's like, I never came to you with stuff. I never made a big thing. But after you put us through two years of asking us to support this, don't expect a, I'm sorry it didn't work out. Right. message if anything that would be quite patronizing yeah james i don't believe it but i think we're gonna have to do a Luan part three because oh there God. is no way <laughs> no no way that we can cover in like 15 minutes cabaret countess with friends luan being arrested and having a drinking problem luan going to rehab and leaving it for cabaret and luan then going back into rehab like, no way. You read my mind. I was actually getting really, I was really pulling at the the neck of my roll neck, a la Luanne. When I've noticed. She makes that faux pas in The Hamptons with, with Dennis. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I'm getting ahead another, of myself. <laughs> another fantastic moment that I look forward to. Oh, uh, okay. I think this is good. I think, I'm yeah. hoping that this can be a short middle one that's, and it's, it's, it's about Tom. But I think that Tom. it was all necessary. Yep. But I, agree. I do think that we're going to need an, an episode to style it out to talk about Countess and Friends. But we are in for a big doozy with part three, because right. as much as for even the most apologetic Luan fan like myself, God, it, I think it is her most insufferable. And she's horrible as well. She's she's quite nasty. By far. Because this evening, quite a lot what we were saying, we have quite a lot of sympathy for Luan in these situations. But you you can't have sympathy by the time she's complaining about uh, not getting a blowout in Miami, yeah, whilst because her massage was rushed, uh, you just want to push her off a cliff. So I think that we should um, leave tonight on one super happy memory, which is the end of which holiday is it where they go through what their thorn and their rose is? Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah, that's the tequila one. We couldn't. We couldn't eat this. Tequila. Yeah. The end of the tequila trip in which everyone is going around and saying their thorn and their rose of the trip. And it gets to Luanne and she says, well, my rose is obviously my husband. <laughs> and the women, honestly, have the exact same reaction as everyone at home, which is to find the nearest ledge to throw themselves off whilst know, pretending right. to vomit like, in a bush. Yeah. They, all, they all have like a physical reaction and get off from the table being like, uh, No, uh, the trip! Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> 
And then to be fair to Luan, she's like, oh my God, kill me now. I thought you meant in general. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> oh, Luan, you unsufferable, insufferable woman. So thank you for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show, even if there are three parts to some of them. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and give us a rating and tell your friends about the show. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Housewives Archives. Thank you for joining and we'll see you next time, maybe. (laughs) Or or maybe this will tip you over the edge. (laughs) Bye. Bye.